no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are Chicago Bears podcast. On episode five, we will recap the Bears' week one victory against the Detroit Lions and much more. Hey, Dub, how you feeling, bro? I'm doing pretty good, friends. How about you? Man, dude, I'm fired up off this week one, man. I mean, it was they gave me a little bit of a scare, and I joked with some people earlier that I had to up my life insurance policy, but we got that victory, <laughs> bro. They gave me a scare too, man. Man, I'm a, I'm a, but guess what? It's time to crack open that victory brew. Oh man, Kins Lager. We got that Prohibition Pills. Tastes great after a week. Well, I got Chicago Common going on over here. Hey, but you know what? It tastes like victory, huh? Yes, it does. <laughs> man, bro. So we had a 27 to 23 comeback win for the Bears. They had 21 unanswered points they scored there in the fourth quarter. And my boy Maserati Mitch, he showed me a lot of stuff. It was, that game was a tale of two halves. We saw the first half where we saw a lot of what we saw in 2019 with Mitch. A lot of times in 2019, we saw Mitch missing wide open receivers, you know, not making, you know, the best decisions. And, you know, we saw the line maybe breaking down. But in that second half, we saw a different team. What'd you see out there, A-Dub? That's all similar. You know, um, I would say last year, Mitch made a hell of a lot of typical throws where they didn't look well. He didn't throw well. They were missing his mark. But I will tell you, this game here, Mitch showed a lot. Um, a lot of poise, a lot of heart, and he didn't make as many mistakes as he has done in the past. We're probably going to talk more about that as we go along, but I like what I saw from Mitch in a fourth quarter especially. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I mean, outside of that first half, we saw some miscommunication he had with Anthony Miller on the, like a, a a route there in the end zone. And, you know, they showed an inability to finish off some drives there in their first half. But I'm telling you, Mitch showed me a lot. And I and I was seeing a lot of chatter on Twitter, man. The, the Bears Twitter, any of our listeners out there, if you were participating in this, do better next week because you guys are already calling for polls. Man, let, let Mitch, you know, let him see. He, he wasn't bad out there in the first half. Now, he wasn't. He wasn't Tom Brady or anything like that, but I was actually not upset with what I saw from Mitch in the first half of that game. What I was upset by, in my opinion, A-Dub, I thought that Nagy got a little cute with the play call. That jet sweep thing that he ran with A-Rob in the first half, I hope they take that play out of the fucking playbook. I, that shit was trash. <laughs> yeah, I did think Nagy got a little too cute out there. I will say this. Mitch's first pass wasn't even Mitch's fault. His first pass came where they did a scheme, right, where they tried to fake the run and then roll Mitch out. And when Mitch rolled out, he had a defender right in his face. So yep. he had to throw the ball pretty quickly. Wasn't even his fault. That was right after our first three run plays, where first two run plays, he had to throw the ball. So it really wasn't even his fault on that play. And you know what? You bring up a good point there because we started our season, a lot of what we saw in 2019 with a three and out. We got to do better with that. We got to start these games. We got to come out. We got to come out and drive the ball down the field because the way I see that, I'm like, hey, Nagy, bro, you got a team right now that offensive line that we saw in that first half that was actually, at least in a run game, we saw them moving guys off that line of scrimmage. Now, the pass block aspect of things, Charles Leno, we looking at you. You got to do better, bro. You were a turnstile out there, man. Yeah, they were running through him. That's where the defense was getting in at on Leno's side, mostly. And I saw him an inability to hold guys back for a decent amount of time frame to give Mitch a little time to throw the ball. But there are also at times where our line held up very well. I'm not disappointed in our line for this game here. I'll have to look at how we do, of course, next week. But for this week, I'll give the line more of a C because they've done better than I've seen them do in the past. 
Yeah, you know what? I think that's a fair grade. I'm going to look at the tape a little bit this week, and uh, listeners, uh, we'll get back to you guys next week on our thoughts line. But, uh, A-Dub, you were big on Castillo, uh, you know, le- leading up into the season here. And I think we saw an improved off- offensive line play. So I think if we could keep that going, Nagy, thank you for running the ball. We ran the ball 28 times. I yes, think we that's did. The I think that's the key, A-Dub. We got to run that football. You've been saying it all along. And guess what I also said? On our last podcast, I said we cannot allow Mitch to throw that ball 50-plus times. Right. This game, we did not. Through 36 attempts. That's yep. very good. We got to have a balanced attack. We got to we have to establish the run, get Mitch comfortable. Because the one thing that I did like is Mitch was – he was staying in the pocket. He wasn't – He did. Getting, yeah, he wasn't being skittish. Um, now, I do say this. I think Nagy still has to let Mitch do what he does best because there were times there when Mitch was on the run and he rolled out. Mitch looked phenomenal when he was on the move. And I think that they need to call more plays where they allow him to do that. Absolutely. But they can't call plays where it allowed him to run right into the defense either. So I that's think true. the first play he did, tried to throw the ball, he ran into a defender because that's kind of the play designed and the defender didn't go for the fake. And yeah. um, that was a busted play for Mitch. But you, I mean, you brought up a good point. You said that, you know, Mitch threw the ball 36 times. And I think anytime we can basically have a balance there where we're getting that run game established, Mitch isn't throwing the ball 50 times a game. I think we're in a good spot. Here's my other point I brought to you last week. I said we have to put Mitch in good field, in good field positioning. Correct. Our TDs came off good field positioning. When we started on the 45-yard line, the other one I believe we started on their on – their, um, the 35 35-yard line, somewhere along those lines, where we got the interception. So we put ourselves in good position to score touchdowns when we have good field positioning. And we saw that on the uh, uh, Cordell Patterson on that kickoff return. That yeah. set us up for, you know, really good position. The defense set up us up for another one. So, no, you're definitely right. And you even said it in the last pod. You said, hey, Mitch, when he has a short field to work with, the guy's pretty lethal. Absolutely. And we've done his job when we had a short field. Long field? We probably got, we got, what, two field goals on the long field and we had a long field. <laughs> got some punts out of there as well. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what we look like when we don't have good field position. So, you know, looking at this, you know, we got the victory here. What was your uh, here comes the bull moment of the game? What, what, what was the play that you thought was impactful for the Bears today? The play I thought that was most impactful didn't even occur in the field. When Mac took the team to the side and said, hey, we got to step our game on defense. When Mac did that, this is heading towards the fourth quarter. That's when our luck started to change. That's when things started to turn around. We started making some plays. Even though we're down, we're starting making a comeback. Because what I saw was Mac really taking that leadership part and getting the team together. You know what, A-Dub? I love that moment as well. Um, I thought that showed leadership. I think a lot of people, when they look at Khalil Mack, they see a guy that's quiet, pretty stoic, and his teammates even say they don't know a lot about him. But in that moment, when I saw him and he was fired up, I needed to see that because I'm like, dude, you're the highest paid player on our team, right? And we know that he's a beast. But a lot of times you don't see like that emotion come out of him. And in that moment, when he rallied that defense around him, because that was after they gave up that touchdown in the third quarter, and, and uh, the, I think they went up, what, it was a 20-6 to six at that point or something along those Correct. lines. Correct. Yep, that's yeah. what it was. Absolutely. And I think Mac was pissed. <laughs> well, he was heated, man, because at that time frame, you know this and I know this, um, Stafford was taking us apart. He had like, what, eight or nine straight uh, completions, and then we were like, we need to do something different here. And Mac saw that, like we weren't meeting our standards or expectation, and he pulled those guys to the side and say, look, we got to step our game up. Yeah. And I mean, I love to see that. That was amazing. And one thing, too, that that just showed me is a guy like Khalil Mack, he's got respect because obviously his resume speaks for itself, right? So a guy like that that doesn't really speak up often, when he talks, you saw that those guys were all listening. They were all ready and intent on what he had to say to them, and they stepped their games up. And that was huge to me. I would say my here comes the boom moment uh, was Kyle Fuller when he made that play. We saw week one last. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that right there for me, that was it, man, because that gave us the shot to win the game. And that was the play that I wish Kyle Fuller would have made uh, against the Packers, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, in, in that 2018 season, you know, week one, because he dropped the pick. And, I mean, that would have probably sealed the game for us in that game. But, no, in this situation, I got nothing to say about Kyle Fuller because Kyle Fuller was solid in coverage today, all game. 
and he made the play when we needed it the most. And also, shout out to uh, Eddie Jackson, because Eddie Jackson read that play, broke on the ball, caused that ball to basically deflect and, and go up in the air, and Kyle Fuller made the play. So for me, that was my key moment of the game, because in that game 10, the opportunity to drive the ball down the field, and we already know he drove it down, and we threw the touchdown, we won the game. But Kyle Fuller, shout out to you. Eddie Jackson, shout out to you. You guys were awesome. Uh, thank you guys for stepping up when we needed you guys to step up the most. Absolutely. I will definitely agree with that. We want to be one of those big plays in the game. What that did, that kept that momentum going for us. And it was like, oh, now we got more momentum going this way direction. The interception, and we've been waiting on that all game, that, hey, Matt Stafford has to throw an interception. He has to throw one. He has to throw one. And it finally came at the most critical time we needed it. Exactly it. Because you know what? We we talked about this in the last episode with our buddy Buzz. We said, look, Stafford, he's got a he's got elite arm talent, but there's gonna be one play over the course of that game that he's gonna throw the ball up for grabs. And he did. Right when he had too much pressure on him, too. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> so A dub, I'm gonna ask you. So what was uh the moment in the game that you thought uh basically went the best for the Bears? Like what went well with the game plan? What are your thoughts there? I think you alluded to this a little bit earlier. The game plan was around fact, let's establish a run game. I thought we did a very good job with trying to do that, establishing a run game. So with them doing that piece of it, trying to do that part, start the run out, not make Mitch do too much, get the run game started, get established, which they did a good job at doing. I thought we did very good with running together for 149 yards for our rush team, for our backfield, rushing for 149 yards for the game. That's very much solid. With them doing that, um, getting that part started, I thought that was a good start way to start the game off and then ease Mitch into the game. I think for me, I thought what went well was in the second half, uh, the fact that they had that urgency. I think in the first half, I was really uh, annoyed with Nagy because I thought that he went away from the running game in key situations. So you, everyone saw the goal line situation where Mitch threw the pass to Jimmy uh, Graham. And I thought that that was a catchable ball. And I feel like the Jimmy Graham mistimed his jump on that one because the ball was right there for him. And so that play was, I thought was kind of key because in that situation, then Mitch followed it up on third down by throwing a ball to Kamadney missed them. And I thought that those are opportunities that maybe we should have kept the ball on the ground. So in my situation, when I look at Nagy, it was a tale of two halves for him as well. So in the first half, I thought that he basically didn't have the sense of urgency that was necessary. I thought that the team came out flat. However, in that second half, after Khalil Mack lit up that defense, got those guys ready to go, you saw a different team out there. That defense responded. And as a result of that, we also saw that the offense came to life a little bit there in that fourth quarter. And we saw a whole typical team. Uh, I mean, we, we saw a whole different team there in that fourth quarter. We saw Mitch that kind of struggled a bit. Now, I'm not going to be critical of Mitch because I thought that Mitch rebounded greatly in that fourth quarter. He had a passer rating of 143.3 through three touchdowns. Mitch was great in that fourth quarter. And I hope that he could take that confidence from game one here and basically put that into this matchup that we have upcoming with the Giants. But for me, I thought that was what went well for me. I thought what went wrong for me watching our team was around the first half was around our red zone play. We didn't call good plays in the red zone. Um, like you said, there was a couple throws that I thought we could have had back or a couple plays we could have done differently around that. And uh, it cost us to either go for a field goal or punt the ball. Matter of fact, it went for field goals on those plays. I just wish that Nagy would have drew up some better plays around that. So therefore, it could have gave us um, a better chance to really score uh, seven points versus getting three. So to me, you're right. I thought that some of those throws were made on Mitch's part, didn't look good. But to me, it looked like we had the wrong design play. Because I recall when Mitch rolled out to a play for um, Commit, for Cole, and that play didn't happen well because Commit was going one way, one direction. Mitch was going a different direction. and Commit really was into the gap area. So it really was a busted play off the run. So not a good design play uh, overall that got busted. And I thought it was a throw that was made, like you said, the one that was too, um, to Graham was a little bit too high. I don't blame Mitch totally for that. I thought Graham missed time this jump. But together, you can see that we kind of like missed a little bit of a preseason game that would have helped us get our timing together overall. But I'll say that first half was more of a lot of rust I saw from not only just Mitch, but also from the team overall. But I thought the second half, we picked some things up. We hit the good point around urgency. We responded that way. We started to play a whole lot better when we did that. Exactly. Now, one area that I think that we could have done a lot better with and I hope that we improve upon it against the Giants, the pass rush for majority of the game was non-existent. 
So we saw that Robert Quinn was inactive. We talked about this on previous episodes with the fact that this guy has basically been a big mystery over the course of the training camp period. He didn't practice much. The team said that they were going to ramp him up slowly, whatever the hell that meant. Uh, But we saw that he did participate in that scrimmage at Soldier Field. He showed up really well in that moment. But then all of last week, he didn't practice. The thing is, we've seen Khalil Mack have to face double teams a lot of his time here in Chicago. And we both have been high on the fact of having a Robert Quinn here to replace Leonard Floyd was going to help free up Khalil Mack a little bit more. Having uh, Hakeem Hicks back in that middle push in the pocket, we thought was going to be the key to basically having uh, Khalil Mack be unleashed. We didn't see that today. No, we did not. And the fact with Quinn being out, right, we had no one else on that side to um, apply a lot of pressure. Because as you saw, Danny Trevathan had to do some coverage, right, for passing plays. And he was getting burned. So we didn't get a lot of penetration on that side of the field. Well, on that side, I mean, you had uh, you had James Vauders and you had Barkevius Mingo that basically had to step up for uh, the absence of Quinn. And there was not much pass rush that was being generated from those guys. No. We did see that Vauders made one play uh, there late in the, uh, in the game. Uh, he made a really good play, like a loss of two there on the, on the Lions running back. But, but like you mentioned, to your point, Danny Trevathan got shredded in coverage today by the running backs of TJ Hawkinson. He did. That was tough to see. I mean, I, I love Danny Trevathan, tough player, but he needs to get back in there and watch some tape because what I saw from that game is I saw that the Lions, they schemed very well against him. If you notice they dub, they were putting Hawkinson in motion. They were giving him a running start, and he was already had a head of steam going in his favor, and then uh, Matt Stafford was putting the ball right in a perfect placement for Hawkinson to make plays. And so he was beating uh, – Danny Trevathan, pretty good there in those situations. Also, our uh, our new safety, Gibson, he also had pretty much of a tough game, too, because I saw he got beat a couple times, too, and he also got beat on that touchdown by Hawkinson. What did you think about Gibson's performance, uh, A-Dub? I'm going to look at Gibson. I'm also going to look at your boy, Johnson, as well, our rookie. I'm going to look at both of them, because both of them got burned, really, on a lot of plays out there. They were getting chewed up. I think Matt Stafford was just going one way, the other way. You know, he'll hit this guy on one side. He'll hit the other guy on the other side. And I'm like, okay, we got these two guys, Gibson, and we also inserted our rookie into the lineup as well uh, with no preseason, preseason play. Remember, we let Tolliver go. With that, both of them were getting burned at times. When we didn't apply pressure on Stafford, he had time in the pocket. He was picking us apart. And the good thing is that we didn't give up no major huge plays to where it cost us like big touchdown plays, but it, it did enough to where Stafford was getting into a groove. And I thought, looking at Gibson at times, I'm like, you need to actually stay close on your man. He was trying to give himself a little bit more uh, space, but sometimes that space was having guys cut through the middle to get easy catches. And I thought Stafford lit our middle part of the field up by doing that. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, A-Dub, because that was one of the things that I noticed, too. The middle of our defense got exposed. Uh, we saw that Adrian Peterson, which I thought he like took a, a dip in that fountain of youth, he basically was gashing our defense up the middle. AAP, he had those guys out there making business decisions because I saw a couple guys on our defense, uh, Bojack, they, they had to think twice about how they wanted to come after AP when he was coming downhill on them. And I think absolutely <laughs> with a guy like that, with that size and speed combo, he had those guys thinking twice about coming up and putting a helmet on them. Uh, right, but- absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he did. The thing that I, that I saw with that defense, though, in the first half, we were getting gashed in some of that third quarter as well. But that got shored up there in that, in that fourth quarter. Uh, we saw that, that that defense, Chuck Pagano, he made some adjustments there, and he got the job done for us. Because, like I said, the majority of that game, I was wondering what the heck happened to our defense. Now, I will say this, A-Dub. I was really frustrated with Nagy in the first half. Uh, you probably remember that possession right before the half. The Bears called timeout, got the ball back. We re- only ran off 14 seconds of the play clock, ran three plays, had a three and out. Detroit had a short field, drove it down the field, and scored a touchdown on us. Oh, man, I was living. I'm watching that. I'm like, bro, burn some of that clock. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we didn't burn much of it at all because they came back and scored on that touchdown, and they also got the ball back. So I wasn't sure what Nagy was doing in that play calling because that play calling, I think the pass, the short pass, to, uh, I think it was Cohen who got the short pass, run the bounds. 
Then he threw two other passes where I'm like, where are we going with this? That Mitch threw, I'm like, on second and third down, and we looked it ugly. I said, now we're going to give him the ball back with that much time to go. And looks like they already got all the momentum already. And I'm quite sure they're going to probably come down to score, which they did. So I was really concerned with Nagy about that, on how he designed those plays. And the one thing I'm going to go back to, uh, to our, our, our QB1 on is the fact that in that first half, I would say this. Mitch's his decision-making was fine. He didn't turn the ball over. That was great. But he was very inaccurate in certain points there in that first half of the football game. He's got to clean that up. He almost cost a, um, a turnover at one point where the ball got tipped. I think it was going to A-Rob. It didn't cost us, but it almost did. Yeah, the DB for the Lions there could have come up with that play. <laughs> right, right. So I'm glad they didn't, though. But that was one of the plays I was like, oh, geez, this would really hurt his confidence had he thrown that interception. But I'm glad it didn't happen that way. Another thing that I wanted to bring up about the first half of that game that annoyed me a little bit, and we heard so much about that tight end position in camp. Everybody was telling us how Graham and Komet was basically dominating out there. But in that first half of the game, I didn't see anything in that first half that gave me any sort of confidence in that tight end position. To me, it was like more of the same of what we saw last season. Now, the second half of the game, the second half of the game, A-Dub, I thought that Graham, he flashed a lot. He, he made some plays. But that first half, I was more of like, oh boy, <laughs> you know, what was going on? What did you think about that tight end group today? I thought the tight end group did as well as they could today. You know, in practice, right? It was about with Mitch and Foles, right? They're both were splitting time in the backfield. I mean, in the time of the quarterback. So really, no one really has got that real camaraderie with that, that unit there because um, they were splitting it off where, again, Nick Foles could have, Mitch could have. So no one really has that relationship like we want to have it with both of those guys. As you saw in the game at times, we saw a couple of missed passes right there with both of them not being on the same page. And one with Comment, you saw one with um, Graham. So right now, we didn't utilize them enough or a lot during that game because you know in the first half, we start off first with running the football. Instead of the run game. So, really, weren't throwing any passes like that, anyhow. But I just think that in our next game, we're going to have to get them more involved. I think this game, we didn't get them involved enough. No, you're absolutely right. And also, uh, to bring it up to our audience here, Jimmy Graham had a couple drops there, too, uh, just to bring that part of it up as well. So, we're going to need to see more out of that group, too. And also, another area that I have concerns about is our rush defense. I brought it up earlier about the fact that AP must have uh, dipped in that fountain of youth. We got gashed. We got to clear that stuff up, man. We got to stop the run big time. And I, I, I blame a lot of our linebackers on that because they got to be the ones to – just think about it. If you're going to get Mac, you know, going to the route he goes, when we get Quinn back, he's going to go a route. Hicks going to go a route. That means our linebackers got to shoot those gaps. We got to hit them. And when those guys like AP coming through, he can't give them that big of a hole or big of a gap to run through. I'd say right now he has some holes he was running through. I saw some of the replays. I was like, well, he can get three, four yards out of that <laughs> when the hole opened up. Yes, we did a bad sir. job at stopping the run. The one thing, too, uh, A-Dub, think about this. The Bears had one of the best run defenses in the NFL last season. That was not the case today. And I think this game showed you how much we're missing Eddie Goldman because Eddie Goldman is one of the best run stoppers, I think, that's in the league. And Blount Nichols, no disrespect to him, but he didn't, he didn't show up much to me in that game and on tape. He didn't show up much. Uh, Mingo didn't do a whole lot this game for me either. So it was like we gave a lot to Adrian Peterson, and we made him look like he was younger <laughs> today. <laughs> we made him turn around the clock like he was with Minnesota. So uh, that's part of us. That's also that's on us. We've done that part as well. We didn't do a great job at defending. So we got to take a lot of blame of that with stopping the rush. Yeah, because uh, one thing, too, I thought leading into this matchup with the Lions – I thought we were going to cook on defense today because they were without their starting right tackle and their uh, rookie right guard. And so I thought in this matchup, I said, man, the boys, we're going to get about five or six sacks in this game. We only ended up with one. And he he, hits, he had that sack in the fourth quarter, which was huge. <laughs> Big, Big sack, though. And you're right. They also was mentioned that one of their wide receivers, Galloway, Galladay. Galladay, yeah. Galladay, yeah. I want to make sure I'm saying his name correctly. <laughs> He's a big part of what they do offensively, and he yeah. wasn't there. So I thought we would have a better um, defensive scheme in our secondary to really slow um, Stafford down. And at time frames, we didn't do a good job with that. But I thought we would have a better game plan or better um, defensive um, scheme or even get more turnovers because Galladay was not playing. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. It might have been a different result for us if Galladay would have been out there because that kid's a stud. He is yeah. a stud. He is. <laughs> uh, but we got away. We got away with one today. We did. Because that was another big play that occurred, as you know, in that fourth quarter um, with Swift missing that catch in the end zone that really sealed the deal for us. Had Swift caught that ball. Oh, it was game. Zone, it was game. It's game. Yeah, exactly. It's game. So we'll be having a different conversation right now <laughs> doing this um, podcast here. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I would have been dropping a lot of F-bombs if, uh, if he would have caught that pass. Because I'll tell you, man, outside of the, having to up, upgrade the life insurance policy, I was like, man, I got to nurse my voice over here. I'm like yelling and doing all this screaming, watching this game. I was like, I got to calm down. I'm going I'm to be recording the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, I need, I need an, early, um, an early beer to drink um, <laughs> with this group. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that I want to run by you real quick because it's kind of funny, right? So we ran a poll on our on our Twitter page uh, after the game, and we asked the fans, "So how did you guys feel after this Week One uh, victory?" And I want to see your thoughts on this. Forty one percent of our fans uh, on our, our Twitter account said that they were concerned after that Week One victory. Thirty two percent said they were relieved, and twenty seven percent said that they were numb. How did you feel after this Week One victory? I felt concerned. And I'll tell you why I feel concerned. Because somehow, last year and this year, you know this and I know this, we have started off slow. And we cannot start off slow in these games. I understand we didn't have preseason this year because of COVID. But last year, a lot of our guys didn't play during preseason because Nagy didn't allow them to. So really, it shows that our team needs more time on the field. And with that, it's a part of the reason it starts that, that calls us to start off late. We come on like second half like we did today, right? We played better second half. And the lucky part about us, we got the Giants coming in next week. But what if we had Green Bay? What if we had Minnesota coming in, right? Teams who are not going to give us anything, who are really going to probably stay more disciplined than how Detroit played. So those teams probably wouldn't allow us to come back from being down 23 to 6. So we got to really think about that. Can we dig ourselves a hole like that and try to make a comeback? So I wasn't quite, yeah, I wasn't quite happy about it. I was concerned because I wonder how we're going to start off games, first half. No, you, you make a phenomenal point because I look at this too. The Lions are trash. I mean, we both predicted last week that the Bears will win this game, and I was really getting worried because I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, there's no Galladay. These guys had all those injuries in their secondary. You saw their secondary. They had guys falling left and right. They also right. had Jamie Collins, who got disqualified. I don't know what the hell he was doing, trying to demonstrate something to the referee. <laughs> he makes right. contact. I'm like, this is the most dumb, uh, undisciplined team I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? And they've been undisciplined for years, right? I even saw with Dumbick and Sue when those guys were undisciplined years ago. And still the same thing now. You think Detroit may have changed since then, but they're still the same old Detroit when it comes down to discipline. Yeah, same old Lions. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that I was going to just say, you know, just real quick, just about uh, some of this, the feedback that we've gotten from some of the fans on, on Twitter, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. One of our fans had, like, to me, which I thought was like the tweet of the day, uh, she's, she goes by Cousin Heidi uh, on Twitter. When the Bears started to finally make some plays there in the second half, <laughs> she goes, finally, dot, 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 motherfuckers. I thought that was like... <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel her pain, you know, because it was looking bad for us for a while. And um, the beat down 20-6 to six is tough. And the way that how we ended the first half was even worse. So I can definitely feel her pain because we got down, like I said, in the red zone. Or we couldn't score a touchdown. And some of the plays were looking like, what are we running? What are we running here? What are we trying to do here? Is this on Nagy? Is this on Mitch? We don't know. Either way it go, it doesn't look good for us. Right. And the one who takes the blame for this is going to be the coach, right? So yeah. at this point, I feel our pain because I'm like, what are we doing here? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish here? What was the design play? Who was it for? What we're we trying to achieve? And it's not working. So I definitely understand our pain. Yeah, because I'm telling you, I think most of our fan base can relate to that tweet because we all were feeling that same way because we were all probably at that point again, we're feeling like this thing is over potentially. Now, for me, I, you know, I go down to the last buzzer with that kind of stuff, but I will tell you, I was getting a little concerned too. (laughs) Yeah, I was concerned as well. But the thing is, one thing you and I know about Detroit is they blow a lot of leads. 
Yes. And uh, I was hoping this was one of those times they blew one. And they did. They showed us who they were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we got lucky today because, man, Detroit is who they, you know, who we thought they were. And thank you very much for being that way because, man, it was, it was funny. We we also had a, some, a couple other uh, Twitter people that I wanted to, to mention. Uh, our buddy Mitchell Galloway, who's a friend of the podcast, in the first half of the game, he reached out and he said, dude, Max getting held a lot. He said Stafford's getting uh, getting quick over the middle hits for big yards. Somebody's got to step up and help, help Mac out. And we kind of talked about that earlier with the fact that there was no Robert Quinn. We needed somebody on that other side to make plays. That didn't happen. And we saw Khalil Mack get neutralized in this ballgame. Khalil right. Mack, in my opinion, his biggest attribute in this ballgame happened off of the field. Well, we look at next week, A-Dub, do you think that Quinn's going to come back? And if he doesn't come back, what are we going to be able to do to get Khalil Mack unhinged where he can start making some impact plays for us again? Well, the good thing about next week is one thing we know about Detroit, I'm sorry, the Giants, is that they don't have a great line. They've tried to upgrade that line coming this season. They got a new head coach over there as well, and he's very good. Um, I think it's Joe Judge, good coach. He's all about discipline with his team. But at the end of the day, they're still a young team. So with that, I think Matt could get loose on that team against them because of how young they are and the fact that they're still going through some transition with their line. So that could be a time where, hey, you know what, Matt? I don't see no, um, no, no, no superstars on that line for the Giants. We can get in there and uh, have a field day. That'll be interesting. We'll definitely get into that a little bit later on in the pod. Uh, let me kick it over to you on who you thought they were uh, player of the game on the offensive side of the, of the field. You know, I got to give it to Mitch by default. Matt um, Maserati, but- Mitch. Put some respect <laughs> on his name. <laughs> hey, look, fourth quarter Mitch did. How about that? How about I, I, I like that. Mitch. I like that. Fourth quarter Mitch. He actually did very well. Uh, three TDs. Like I say, look, poised. He was ready. He didn't quit. He came out, made every pass count. And matter of fact, Miller had some big plays. Remember, you talked about Miller a few weeks ago. He had some big plays in the fourth quarter. So I will say, you know, Mitch was out there setting them up for success, making good plays. Some of them was a little bit behind, a little bit off. But, again, once it touches your hands as a wide receiver, it's your job to catch it. So that's, with that, I will say exactly Mitch right. threw some great throws in that fourth quarter. I'm going to piggyback on that. Uh, my boy Maserati Mitch, or uh, as you call him, fourth quarter Mitch, dude, he was a stud in this game. He was on fire in that fourth quarter. Just – our audience, I want you guys to realize, the first three quarters of that game, Mitch was basically a very pedestrian quarterback. I'll admit it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yep. But, but in that fourth quarter, we saw a different Mitch. He went 8 of 10, 89 yards, three touchdowns, and I mentioned earlier he had a 143.3 passer rate. He also had a 20-yard scramble that, and I've basically mentioned this to you on a previous episode, this is the reason why I love Mitch being back there because he brings that uh, – aspect to the game of being a weapon running the football because right. no disrespect to Nick Foles, but if that's Nick Foles in that situation, Nick Foles is getting sacked. <laughs> He's also, um, but Mitch, you know, he led us to three fourth quarter touchdowns. We had those 21 unanswered points and shout out to Anthony Miller, bro, because I'm telling yes. you the first half of the game, Anthony Miller, we were like, Hey, we need to put him on a milk carton. Cause where is he? Where right? is he? Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't find him, man. We could not find him. Yeah. But he showed up in that fourth quarter. Absolutely. And I want to piggyback on one thing you said about Mitch, though. He saw something that I was hoping he'd grow into over the years. When he find a mismatch, you attack it. Miller had this guy. He and sure Mitch did. Said, you know what? I'm going to go back to you again for that touchdown. And he did. And I was like, okay, I like this. This is what I like right here. Mitch finding someone who was a weakness on the defense, and he attacked him. And that's what Miller did. Miller was open. Go to him. He got this guy beat. <laughs> Mitch saw that, and he took advantage. He sure did. I mean, that that throw that he threw, man, that was a dime ball, bro. It was. On the money. He was warming up. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Mitch continues to show that the Lions are his bitches because he 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 goes after those boys. <laughs> <laughs> I call it Lions. Lions, a.k.a. the Mitches. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you know what, man? I got so fired up. I saw on the internet after the game, uh, the Bears, they put out some videos and they showed those guys in the uh, in the uh, in the tunnel, uh, you know, going to the locker room. And you mm-hmm. had Anthony Miller, 
he was all ahead of Eddie Jackson. They were all hyped up. And I'm like, dude, as a Bears fan, looking at those guys and seeing how hyped up they were, that has to give you some juice. You have to be pumped up to see that. Absolutely. And that's what you want to see from the team. That fire, the fact they all care. You want that. You don't want them walking around their head down and it's going to be a long season kind of a thing. No matter how we win, good or ugly, the goal is to win. And this is one thing I'm going to say, and this is going to be a rare shout-out that I'm going to give to Nagy. But I will say this. He keeps this team together because after Mitch made that boneheaded play when he took that 27-yard loss and fumbled the ball and Charles Leno had to recover it, bro, I'm telling you, I almost damaged something in the house when I saw that. I was so (laughs) fucking pissed off. But I will tell you, most teams in that moment, they would have quit. Yeah, that could have came back to haunt us big time. And I was like, no, Mitch, no, no, go down. No, you don't have it. They there. You can't get a way out. You can't. There's no way out of this. And that fumble came out. I just shook my head and I was like, no way. Not like this. Nagy, he keeps this team playing ball because they came back and they showed you some resolve. That defense, they shore things up and and offense caught fire. And I'll tell you this, 10, shout out to you, Mitch. Because you had a lot of people. You had Tony Gonzalez talking bullshit, talking about Nick Foles. I was I listened to you, Tony Gonzalez. You were talking crazy, <laughs> talking about Foles. I'm sorry. We don't need no Nick Foles. Mitch is going to lead us to where we need to get to. I'm a truther. I'm proud of it. Mitch, we riding with you. Yes, sir. We with him. And I'll tell you one thing. Detroit, y'all going to be in for a long season. <laughs> right, exactly. You all start on a bad foot. <laughs> With that, on a bad note, with longer uh, a lead like that, heading to the fourth quarter, yeah, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be such a long season for them. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you look at this game, though, I mean, Detroit, they were moving the football. They had 426 yards of offense. But the defense for the Bears, it was more of a bend but don't break type of philosophy today. But I still think that we need to tighten some things up. What did you see as an area of opportunity for our team here in week one? In week one, I saw the area of we need to do a better job with our wide receivers, our wide receiver core. I think we got some good guys. Um, I will say this. I was happy to see Mooney out there. He caught the pass for eight yards. That's my guy. You know I'm rolling with him. Yep. Big play, that's, Mooney. That, that's your boy. <laughs> that's my guy. We saw Miller look good, right? We saw A-Rob. You know, he had a couple of drops out there. You know, I blame him part because I mean, some of the passes he probably could have caught had he done a better job with separation because I think there were some passes that Mitch made that I thought were catchable plays. But good defense, I will credit that. But I will say we need to get our wide receivers a little bit more involved into some of these schemes here of what we're trying to do. So I think we need to target some of these guys a little bit more. Robinson, Mooney, Miller. I think those guys are going to be pretty good if we get them more involved. That's a good call out, A-Dub. One of our uh, Twitter followers, uh, the Collins way, he's at the Collins way. He mentioned that as well. He was concerned about the lack of separation from the receivers. So, And you mentioned that the situations that happened with A-Rob. Because yeah. A-Rob... That one pick situation that you mentioned earlier in the episode, you're right. That could have been costly for us because that was off of Robinson's hands. Now, the throw wasn't perfect, but, you know, if it touches your hands, you got to bring it in. There right? you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, there you go. We had a lot of plays, like, a couple plays out there like that. But you're right. We got to create a little bit more separation uh, with our wide receivers to make more of an impact. Because the thing is, we can't expect True, True to always make perfect passes. That's not how this game works. Exactly right. And I would say this. The only guy that I saw out there getting a lot of separation was Mooney. I mean, yeah. he's a speedster, but he had a nice cut on that one throw over the middle, and it was like he was waiting for the ball to come to him. I'm like, if Mitch could have got him that ball sooner, Mooney would have probably been able to cut that thing up the field. So he yeah. was actually getting separation. Absolutely. I like him. So I think I think with us getting him more involved, I think we talked about him in the offseason, right, about what he's been doing, understanding the playbook a lot better. And they also looking, trying to find ways to get him involved. And I see why. That guy got some talent and he got some speed. So I'd love to see him get more involved for next game. Absolutely right. And one thing, too, he as a rookie got some key snaps there. Now, we did see Javon Williams. He got a touchdown later in the game. But it seemed like the, the offensive staff seems to show a lot of uh, faith in Mooney. What do you think that that means for a guy like Javon Williams and also Riley Ridley? Well, you know what? I think Buzz kind of brought this up on our last episode about, you know, what about those guys really, that they're not people that we look at as going to be threats. I see an upside with Mooney who can get better. I don't see Ridley getting better. I don't see that. I don't know what he's going to look like anyhow, but I don't see him getting better or have an up, you know, uptick like uh, Mooney can. I think Mooney is something for Mooney. 
he can still get better, a whole lot better. So I think those guys are probably going to have to wait, and we want to let our rookie go ahead and play. Yeah, and Riley Ridley, uh, just in case our audience didn't realize, he was uh, inactive today. So that, to me, that says a lot. You know, you got a rookie here, a uh, fifth-round draft pick, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, that stepped up, had three receptions in the game. You got Riley Ridley, who's in his second year, and he can't even dress for the game. Right, exactly. So I'm like, well, we really, I think we're probably going to go more with uh, with Mooney because he's a big, a big playmaker. And I, I don't think that was in Ridley's game as being one of those big playmakers, but Mooney is one of those guys that we raved about as being one of those. No, exactly. Remember exactly. I talked about with Knox, right? Being similar to Knox. So he can be that guy for us to make those big plays. One thing I was going to say as far as for me, for an area of opportunity for this team, I think what it comes down to me is Nagy just basically cutting out the the cute plays. I thought with David Montgomery getting 13 carries, I thought that was a good solid day just for week one, you know, because he's working his way back in. But Mm -hmm. I I would like to see Montgomery get 20 carries a game. Uh, It looked like in this matchup, we saw something in that middle of the line in in that defense for Detroit, and we were taking advantage of that. And I thought, that could have been an opportunity and we could have gashed him a little bit more with Montgomery because he averaged 4.9 yards per carry. So I'm not going to dig Nagy about that in this matchup, but I think in the Giants game, I would like to see Montgomery get the ball at least 20 times. While I love Tariq Cohen, I don't want to see our 5-6 running back getting carries over the middle like that. We need to get that guy out of space, put him in a slot, let him catch the ball. That's where I want to see Tariq Cohen being used. I think that Nagy has to utilize Tariq Cohen a little bit more dynamically. I think it works better. I think Tariq Cohen is one of those guys who work better in schemes. But to your point about Montgomery, 13 carries, like you said, 64 yards, 4.9 average. Here's the deal with him. He's already come into the game where we said we already had concerns about him with the injury, right? So I was really worried about should he even be playing. So I thought 13 carries was good enough for him without overdoing it. But as long as he's healthy, starting to make some regression around that, he's fully healed. I can think with you, next game, probably get more more like maybe up to 20 carries. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, probably one of the reasons why they went away from Montgomery a little bit is because we were behind uh, two touchdowns and two scores. But I think earlier in that game, it would have been nice if we would have utilized him a little bit more in the running game. We had that situation towards the red zone where we had those passes that I mentioned earlier that went to the tight ends. I would have liked to have seen them pound the ball on the ground with Montgomery. Obviously, I understood there in that third quarter that they weren't going to be able to run the ball much because we were trying to get back into the game. That was an area, too, where I thought that Nagy could have probably had a little bit more urgency because there were certain instances where he was running the ball. And I'm like, bro, we don't have time for that. We're down by two touchdowns. You know, like, right. <laughs> we got to throw the ball out. Then we got to air it out. Not though him doing that, changing up and saying, you know, we got to throw it out. We'll try to keep defense honest by running a running play here and there. But I think we got to throw it. At that point, you're down that much, you got to throw it. So, Ada, before we get into our week two breakdown against the Giants, I wanted to ask you, who was your, uh, our defensive uh, player of the game for you? That one was a tough one for me. No one really stood out. I mean, Trevathan had, what, total maybe seven uh, uh, tackles. Yep. Gibson had about seven. Um, Hicks had, what, three tackles, uh, one sack. Um, full, of course, with the um, interception. So I had to break it down, like, who's the most impactful, really, uh, out there in the field? And Mac had, about total about four tackles. I'm going to take Hicks on this one because that sack, was huge. <laughs> I'm going to go with Hicks, man, because uh, having him there as well, it, it, it does give us a different identity with them um, in that middle um, of that line on the defense side of it. And I like what he does. When Hicks put, apply pressure, we look different. And uh, with him getting there, finding more pressure, uh, along with Hicks, I'm sorry, along with uh, Matt, uh, we, we look totally different. So getting our only sack at a critical time frame like that, thought that was huge. Yeah, that's a good one because Hicks definitely did. Uh, he gave that defense some juice on that because you saw that he was out there jumping around and happy and the defense kind of fed off of that. And I'm glad to have him back. That's a, definitely a good call out. I went with uh, Jalen Johnson. Now, obviously, we saw he got ran over and he had his welcome to the NFL <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. But you know what, though? I thought that he was pretty solid um, in coverage over the course of the day. Um, when it counted, Jalen Johnson showed up. He had some good, you know, pass breakup situations. And at the end of the game there, he sealed the victory for us. He basically made that play at the end and sealed the victory for us. But I, 
I think that that kid's going to be the real deal. I really like him a lot. And last year we had Prince in that situation. And Prince, while I loved and respected for what he brought to the locker room, a very professional guy, most of the time when you saw Prince, he was holding and he was trying to like run after somebody because they were beating him down the field. Mm-hmm. You didn't see that with Jalen today. He, he kept people in front of him. And I said, the worst thing that I could say about him is the fact that he uh, – he got ran over on one play, and he misread uh, that Adrian Peterson run. But for me, I thought that he was key because it didn't seem like the Lions picked on him much when they were throwing the ball. They did not. And I don't know why they did not pick on him because they already found the hole already by picking on uh, Danny Trevathan. <laughs> it worked for them very well. Yep. So they didn't have to go to picking on um, Johnson. So with that, I did see some things I think he can improve upon. So I am a little bit concerned about our secondary, though, but I did see some things. He's done a lot of great things, but I did see a couple of things that he could continue, that he can get better at. And I thought in the first half, he had some mishaps, right? Uh, a penalty that was out there as well. But second half, he was very good, second half. And I'm telling you, as a rookie, I thought played with a lot of poise. Absolutely. Because you need a guy at that cornerback position that basically has a short memory. Because, as you know, playing that position – you're going to get beat. It just comes with the territory. But you have to have that next play mentality. And that kid, he's got a lot of confidence. <laughs> he yes, <wasn't>... he does. <laughs> you know, he, he actually was showing it out there in the fourth quarter. Hey, you beat me one time. All right, you're not going to do it again. I'm, yeah. I'll be right here when you come. I'll be right here waiting on the next play. I'm not going anywhere. And I like a kid like that with a lot of heart, a lot of poise, and not willing to quit. No, you're absolutely right about that. So I, I would say when I look at this game, this week one matchup, my d- biggest takeaway is we obviously we got lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, but I think more urgency is going to be needed offensively. I think that if we would have played any other team besides the Lions, we might have lost today. Let's just yeah. let's just be honest, right? Absolutely. Um, also, a lot of fans were counting out our boy Mitch, and I think he delivered a lot and showed me a lot in that second half. And Mitch, I'm riding with you, brother. Let's just we need you to. Just that same fourth quarter, Mitch, that you played with, we need to see that over of the course of four quarters. <laughs> Absolutely. And one thing I will say that needs to improve as well is, is our secondary because we could have easily been 0-1 if Swift makes that catch. And that falls part of our secondary because we let him get through. So an easy catch in the end zone, and he dropped it. Again, to me, our secondary, where, where we got to do a better job at containing people. Yeah, not only the secondary, but where was the linebacker on that play? And I, I, I got to watch the tape on that one again, but I hope that wasn't Danny Trevathan because when I'm looking at that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I'm going to watch the all 22 tape on this, on this game because I want to see because when I saw that, bro, my heart dropped. I'm like, how did he get so open? <laughs> right, exactly. And here's the other thing, what I didn't like, you can, you can agree with me or disagree with me on this part. I didn't like our play calling defensively of how we were guarding those guys that late in the game. Because it's like, okay, we're trying to guard the end zone. But guess what? It's too much time to worry about guarding the end zone. They got a lot of time. They hit a couple of short passes. He out of bounds. They got they close to the field. So I thought that we weren't, we weren't applying any more pressure on Stafford at that time frame. I'm like, because we're going to give up more, right, if we keep allowing him just to stay back there in the pocket and just throw. They get lost. So with us, I didn't like that. No, I'm not going to come for you for that one because that was actually a good point. I had that, too. I thought we were very conservative in that yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It almost cost us, too. My thing is this. Like you said, they were too focused on trying to keep them out of the end zone while the Lions were basically taking what we were giving them, and they were chewing up field position. With a lot of clock left, in my opinion. Too much clock, if you ask me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone needs to check the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, man, so we... Bears fans, listeners of this podcast, we escaped week one victory. We're on to the Giants. A-Dub, what do you see with this Giants team? What do you think it would be the key for us to beat them? First thing, we're going to stop the run. Still have Barkley right there running back. And he's a beast. Absolutely. That guy is one of the guys who probably can be the best running back in the game. And I'm not just talking about stopping the run. We're going to stop this overall complete game. The guy also catches passes. We got to slow him down and, um, and make things Tougher for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, their second-year quarterback. Rookie last year, of course, you know, he had uh, a decent season. Wasn't a great one. But it was a decent, solid season he had. But again, he's supposed to be a more a, a much improved quarterback from last year. I mean, last year he had, what, 3,027 yards, 24 TDs, 12 interceptions. 
So he's most, most likely going to be a more improved guy this year than he was last year. But we're going to have to tackle those two guys. We're going to slow down the quarterback. We're going to slow down Barkley. Yeah, one of the things that I look at with that team with, with Daniel Jones, and I look at it like he came in with a lot of hype. So a lot of people in New York, when he was drafted, they were pretty disappointed with the pick. He was a quarterback that came out of Duke. Duke's not known for their <laughs> their football players. But at the same time, he basically worked with the Mannings. And so I think it might have been Peyton that must have basically said to them, like, hey, this guy might be the real deal, right? It's right. also kind of interesting, though, that Eli, his brother, was the quarterback last season when they, <laughs> when they drafted him. <laughs> right, right. They had, to, they had to put Eli on the bench and say, we're going to go with the rookie. Yeah. And I would say this. Uh, Daniel Jones, he had like a lot of uh, pub that came out last season, but he also struggled because he turned over the yeah. ball a lot. Yes, he did. And a lot of times that happened with you being a rookie, not having a good run game at the time. For, I think Barkley also spent some time on the injury list. Really, it was just him really trying to do a lot on his own. And um, it was a team that's going through transitioning. And now you start this quarterback, your rookie quarterback, through a time of transition. And it wasn't like a situation that Eli Manny came into, right? Remember when Eli Manny came into to the game, when he came to the team, they had a good running back. They had a great defense. They had veteran wide receivers. They had a good core and a great coach with Kaufman. So he came to a great situation when he became a quarterback. That's not so much the same for Daniel Jones. He kind of came in <laughs> on the rough patch. He did, and let's not forget, he led the league last year with 18 fumbles. 11 of them he lost. So yes, he did. And that when you when you face, when he's going to be facing this Bears front four, front seven. You got Khalil Mack who loves to get in the ball out of there. I see a lot of opportunities for Khalil Mack to be able to make some plays. Absolutely, and especially get some strips. I know Mac is good at stripping the ball out of people, out of um, quarterbacks' hands. So maybe we get a couple of Daniel Jones. Um, that'll be great. Also, another thing to think about, A-Dub, the starting tackle for the Giants, he opted out of the season uh, because of the coronavirus, uh, Nate Solder. So oh, that's, that's right. That's right. So that's something to, for our listeners, for you guys to keep a little bit of an eye on, is the fact that they're going to be down a Pro Bowl-level tackle. Correct. Absolutely. And um, that's going to really put a lot of pressure <laughs> on them now to have someone else to come in to take that place. And I don't see anyone on that team right now who can fill that void. No, not at all. And also, too, they're very inexperienced in their secondary. And so that should be an opportunity where 10 and that receiver core should be able to make some plays. Yes, I agree with you from that standpoint. Um, I think they have, what, John Love, Jabril Peppers, Xavier McKinney. I think those three guys they're pretty much going with to really um, – to feature their secondary, they're pretty good, though, I will say. What I think we probably had the most advantage that you asked me, and I think you hit alluded to this point earlier, was around our running backs. I think we can probably chew up some yards against them because I don't trust their defensive line. Their different defensive line is a little bit suspect uh, right now. And I think their toughest team, toughest part of their defense is probably their secondary than their, uh, than their line. Yeah, the line is pretty tough, too. I think the reason why I picked on their, their secondary is because they're inexperienced. So you mentioned Love, Julian Love. He's a second-year player out of Notre Dame. And so right. I think for a, a kid like that, yeah, he's got some talent. Jabril mm-hmm. Peppers, we still haven't seen him take that next step. So I think a lot of these guys, they're talented, but are they an elite secondary? I don't know. That's a very good point. I think right now, like I said, it's been, they got a lot of time on the field last year. Let's see if they actually graduated. <laughs> we don't know yet, but we're going to find out very soon. We sure will. Um, so when you look at this uh, matchup, which Bears player do you think uh, is going to stand out next week for us? I will say two on the defensive end who should stand out. I'll say two. Hicks should stand out this week um, playing against them. And I also think Mack will probably stand out. You'll probably see a few sacks from Mack. Um, against Daniel Jones. I think sometimes Daniel Jones like to hold the ball a bit longer, has some of those same Mitch tendencies to hold the ball a bit too long and take a few sacks. So I think he's probably going to get hit. I, I don't trust their offensive line. So I really see some of our guys on the defensive end having a good field day. And I think Mack is one of them. I think for me, the way, when I look at this matchup, I think that Allen Robinson is a guy that I think and Anthony Miller, I think these two guys in particular, I think they're going to have really big games next week. When I look at I look at the secondary, I'm like, dude, Allen Robinson better eat. He better have 10 receptions next week. So I look right. at that, and I think that for A-Rob and Anthony Miller, I think those are going to be the two guys that I think are going to stand out. One area that I didn't talk about, and I want to just briefly go back into it when I look at this matchup, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. 
that individual definitely worries me in this matchup because we saw that we weren't able to contain a 34, 35-year-old Adrian Peterson. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And let's just be honest, Saquon Barkley, he's something else, man. I mean, he, from receiving the ball out of the backfield to running the ball, I mean, he's an incredible talent. And so I think we're going to have our hands full with trying to contain him. So I think that was something that I'm kind of concerned with looking into this matchup. Yeah, that that is a good concern for sure. And I'll be even more concerned if we have the same rules we had on third down of our own team, right? We can convert pretty well on third down. So we can't convert on third down and we going to lose a guy like Barkley who can run up the ball, can run exceptionally well. Um, that's going to give them more time on the clock, right? To eat up the clock. And that puts us in a bad situation for us. It's a bad situation for us if we allow this guy to eat. Also, one other point for our listeners to think about, uh, the, the offensive coordinator for the Giants is uh, Jason Garrett. And he likes to do run-happy uh, schemes. So I think with having that guy as your OC, that may be key. That may be key for them in this matchup. But also, they got a first-year head coach, Joe Judge. So when I look at this matchup, I look at a guy like Barkley, he worries me, but I'm not worried about Daniel Jones at all. Yeah, and the thing is, they, they're, an, they're an improved team. I mean, they were last year 4-12. Um, last season, defense was ranked 30. Offense was ranked like number 19. So um, their rushing was like number 19 at that time frame as well. So I think they're going to be an improved team than they were last year. So we can't look at their record from last year and think, oh, they, they struggled last year. They will get them good this year. Nah, they kind of improved a little bit. Uh, they won't get better than they were last year, pretty much. And uh, like I said, I like Judge as their coach. Again, no nonsense types of coach. He'll hold you accountable if you do something wrong. He's all about development. So I think this team will get have gotten better, and they will be better on the Joe Judge. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely see. Um, so looking at this at this situation with uh, with the Giants, they they have some receivers. They have uh, Sterling Shepard who I think is a, is a really underrated, you know, wideout. What do you think about his success or his opportunity of, of chance for success against our, our secondary? I'll see who is full of guarding him or is full of guarding Tate. Which one we couldn't pull it on first. That's what I want to see. I'll take a look at Tate. I, I would say, because Tate a lot of times comes out of the slot. So I think that Buster's screen may be on Tate. Um, that's a good call out. But I think uh, Sterling Shepard will probably end up on Fuller a lot. I think it's going to be a tough challenge for him. They're going to find another weapon to try to help them out. And um, if I was them, I'll probably try to see what 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 can Jenna Johnson really do, right? I want to see what the rookie really can do. Uh, so they might pick on him a little bit, but I think um, they have to figure out how they want to go that route. Yeah, so, but you, you you bring up a good point though with with uh, Golden Tate because Golden Tate has had some success against the Bears. Absolutely. You know, because we look at his time with the Lions. You know, he had that catch there with the Eagles, which I don't even want to get into, but. Uh, Golden Tate, man, he's 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 broken a lot of hearts. Absolutely. They're also looking at their um, tight end, Ingram. Ingram's a guy who they pretty much high on. They're looking for him to be uh, you know, more explosive for them this coming season. They're looking for him to do a lot of damage uh, for them around that. Yards, catches, you know, everything pretty much. So a lot of people were saying they should put him a wide receiver. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, but keep an eye on Ingram. That's their guy they're looking at as well to help take those other guys out. Um, I will keep an eye on him to see what they really think he fits add more value to their team at. So it's going to be a tough um, call. Who's guarding Ingram? <laughs> Who's on him? Do we put a safety <laughs> on him? <Do> <laughs> right, because I want to make sure we talk about all these guys of who they look as, as their targets. You're right, man. I think the key for the Bears in week two next week is it's going to be balancing on offense, running the ball at least 25 times. I think that's going to be the key. Uh, setting Mitch up in situations where he's going to be successful. To your point that you brought up, a couple times, short fields for Mitch because I Absolutely. think that's where he that's where he has success. But then we also, as a defense, we got to get that pass rush back going. And a, and from a coverage standpoint, the linebackers got to do better next week. I agree. And here's the deal: you mentioned. I, I want to piggyback on that one part. What you're saying with our um, pressure on the quarterback because what it does it puts if we don't get pressure on the quarterback, as we saw today, it puts more pressure on our secondary. Right. And I'm not. That's strong with our secondary just yet because it's so early, right? This is more like preseason games for our secondary because they haven't really played together a lot. Um, it's their first game really playing together this season. So it's probably going to take them a couple of games to really, you know, um, jail 
So I'm really worried about them early on. Yeah, and I would say, too, when you're going up against a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who is only in his second year, we've yeah. seen he has the propensity to turn the ball over. So to your point, if we can get, get some pressure on a guy like that, there's going to be chances where he's going to throw the ball up for grabs, or there's going to be a chance where he doesn't hold on to that football. Correct. <laughs> That's good for us. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I just I want to see that defense get back to that ball-hawking defense that we saw in 2018. And that's going to come with us getting pressure from that front four. So I hope that Robert Quinn, whatever's going on with that ankle, yeah. hopefully, hopefully we get him out there week two. And if he doesn't play in week two, then there's something that's going on in that situation that we need to figure that out. Yeah, one thing I will say about Quinn that I really don't like with the situation is that it took them a while to let us know what was going on with him. Like, we right. found out to like around Wednesday yep. of uh, last week that something was wrong. And... um Again, I hope he's okay because we can definitely use him on that field. We'll look like a totally different team, probably probably even more dynamic defensively on that line if we have him. So I'm hoping we get him back for uh, week two. Yeah, man, I hope so. I mean, because I mean, we we made a sizable investment, seventy million dollars to bring him in. We we and the one thing I will say this about Leonard Floyd, I wasn't the highest on Leonard Floyd, but Leonard Floyd played. You could depend on him to be out there every game. I agree. And we, that's what we need. We need somebody that's solid that's going to be there every day. And I hope Quinn, this just this maybe just an exception to the rule with him. Um, because he did have some injuries in his history. I know that already. But I'm hoping that we don't have injury concerns with him moving forward. Yeah, I, I hope so too, man. Well, before we get out of here, let's 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 give the audience our uh, our final score predictions for week two against the Giants. What do you think the uh, final score is going to be? I think the final score is going to be similar to what it is today. I think it's probably going to be more like 28, um, 28, 15, <laughs> something along those lines. Big, <laughs> okay. I, when I look at it, I'm thinking 27. I'm going to 27 and 13, 27 to 13. So we're similar. I think you, you're going to see a couple field goals for the Giants, but I don't, I don't see them doing much. I think if our defense plays up to its standard, and I think if that offense plays with a little bit more urgency, Nagy doesn't get cute. I don't, dude, Nagy retired that fucking jet sweep to A-Rob. I don't want to see that shit again. <laughs> <laughs> right. That sweep was a bad sweep. That was a bad sweep play. I saw that. I was like, I'm not sure what he's thinking about that, but that's a bad play on Nagy. Bro, and A-Dub, if you go do that, do it with Moody or do that with Miller. Right. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the real wide receiver, man. <laughs> I'm like, listen, A-Rob is a possession receiver. He, you know, and I don't want to disrespect him because I want the Bears to extend him. And, and and you know what? What's going on with that, by the way? Why hasn't the Bears extended him? I know I brought this up on the last episode. We're seeing teams around the league extend all these guys. We see Kamara gets a new deal. Cooper Cup from the Rams get a new deal. What? If the hell is going on with Ryan Pace that he has not extended Ryan, uh, Allen Robinson? What is going on? I think he's trying to see this, if his value is going to go down. Well, his value, I don't think his value is going to go down. Allen Robinson. No, no. Hey, that price only going up. Exactly. So that's my whole point I was going to get to. That price tag going to go up, man. So if you don't address it right now, you're putting us in a total different position when it comes down. Of course, I want all of our people to get their money, right? I'm never a hater when it comes to money. Right. Um, the thing is, I'm all about keeping them than anything else. So we don't make an extension soon. I'm going to be very disappointed in Pace. You already know how I feel about Pace because I'm like, bro, everything he does, he, you know, when he brought in Foles, that was to make up with a mistake that he made prior. And I'm not going to get into the mistake that he made, but, you know, he had to go out and guarantee Foles when he, when he guaranteed him to be a backup. And this is my thing with him. Well, you got a guy like that who's a consummate professional. Where, to your point that you brought up on our last episode, how he was mentoring, working with those receivers over the course of the pandemic. This guy wants to be here. He's a pillar in the community. His foundation is doing great work in the inner city. So when you have a guy like that, you have to reward him. You cannot let a guy like that leave your organization. No, I agree with you. I totally agree with you on that. And here's the deal uh, when it comes down to Allen Robinson. Like you said, I want to throw this one thing out here. You threw out there, we paid Nick Foles $21 million to be on the bench right now. Right. You mean to tell me that our best wide receiver on our team isn't worth between $40 to $50 million for a couple of years, whatever? And based upon what these other wide receivers are getting now, come on, give the guy the money. Pam, let's keep on. Let's move on. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I saw, well, who was it? Uh, Cooper Cup signed for $48 million over three years. 
Cooper, Cooper Cup's not half the receiver that Allen Robinson is. I think Allen Robinson, any sort of salary for him is going to start at $19 million a season. Sure. And what are they waiting on? We have no I, reason to be waiting right now. No. Get the man in the bag. Let's move on. Because I'll tell you what, they pace. And you know what? Him and Nagy, I'm getting ready to go in for one just quick second. These guys are the kings of talking but not saying a fucking thing, bro. So Ryan Pace goes on to say that he's waiting to see what the salary cap looks like for uh, for next season. Meanwhile, the fucking the Rams, they're just paying everybody. Seriously, yeah, exactly. <laughs> matter, of fact, um, matter of fact, the champs, they're paying everybody, right? You saw the champs. Yes. Kansas City, they paid almost the entire team, <laughs> got raises, you know, after winning the chip. I'm like, hey, look, I understand we didn't win a championship, but we got some good guys on this team. Look, especially A-Rob, we got guys who are deserving of a contract extension. I'm telling you right now, Allen Roberts has been our best wide receiver in a long time here. You got to pay him. You got to pay him. Cause, and, 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 and I would just say this. Mitch looks for this guy probably 80% of the time when he goes back to throw the ball. He's a security blanket for Mitch, consummate professional, wants to be here. The fan base loves him. Ryan Pace, do the right thing. Give the guy the money. Just do it. <laughs> and Ryan Pace, I hope you heard prayers very loud and clear. <laughs> very loud and clear, because I'm telling you, if he doesn't get an extension by next week, I'm going to say the same shit next week. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start throwing out names who got paid again. We're going to start throwing out names who already got paid. That's right. And then if you don't pay them then, then we're going to start something on Twitter. You don't want that. You don't want right. you don't <laughs> you, you don't want to fire guard packs coming your way, Pace. Exactly. Do the right thing. Look, I'm going to be like, we're going to be like Patterson. Let's start a campaign. Pay Rob. That's right. And and dude, how about that? How about Cordell Patterson? That's a stand-up guy. He's like, look, I want to see everybody get paid. Absolutely. Yeah, like Patterson. Good teammate, man. He's a very good teammate. And I'm kind of glad we got him on our squad. Even though I know he's playing several different parts of the the game. He's playing kickoff return. He's playing a little bit of backfield. He's doing a little bit of everything for us, which I'm happy for the guy, you know? So I want to say, you know what? Patterson, I appreciate what you're doing with the team. You're a good teammate, good team player. We value you, sir. Exactly. Love him. And he's not afraid to recruit either. So he, he'll, 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 <laughs> he'll, he'll definitely shoot his shots. I, I love that guy. I'm telling you, this team had a poor lady bear all frustrated. She reached out to us on, the, on Twitter and said she was trying her best to be patient. Well, uh, looks like your patience was rewarded. And Bears got that dub for you. Hey, Dub, week one, we got the W. Club Dub is reopened. Week one of the season, the Bears are 1-0. Next week, we're on to the Giants. Let's sign it off. Thanks for listening to the Bear Essentials Podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. On next week's episode, we will recap the week two matchup against the Giants. Bear Nation, come bear down with us. Peace.